Greetings. Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. If you've not yet given us a glowing review and a five-star rating, pause this recording and do so right now. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, an Anglican priest. Chris, how are you? I'm great. We are having a good week, Kirk. Last night, I watched my son, my only son, whom I love. I should not say that, that's almost sacrilegious. Like, um, that's I'm quoting the Bible about are God. You well, about his are you son, well his pleased? Um, <laughs> Actually, not God talking about his son. That's um, Abraham. God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Um, I watched him score a goal in soccer. Yes. I have never seen him score a goal. Bicycle kick? Header? (laughs) It's interesting watching an almost eight-year-old play soccer for the first time. You know, some of his peers, like, know what they're doing and, you know, can – can handle the ball and so like watching my son kick it in those tiny little goals like, yes this, these are these are like itty bit like i don't mean like metal ones these are like those plastic ones that you kind of set up yes um and because they've got this full-size field inside that they chop into like 10 fields for you know hundreds of kids that come in on wednesday nights so uh kirk that was i, I wish i would have gotten it um on i almost said on tape I wish I would have recorded it. It was, uh, it was really cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, is he, is he enjoying it? Yes. He's loving it. He's How does he it. describe it? We've had three nights of soccer. Um, I'm not sure I've asked him to describe <laughs> it, but like he, he's got this, you know, he's a, he's a smiley kid. He's a happy kid. And he's just got this grin on his face the whole time. They get multiple water breaks and he just comes sprinting over and guzzles water and can't wait to like get back on the field. Uh, it's great. That's wonderful. Guess what Kirk, I you've, um, uh, are, are you finished with uh, soccer with Daphne and, and have yep. moved on to skating? Yeah, all is that, that, is all that, that wrapped up. And you're, and yeah. you're skating now. Okay. She's skating, right? As is our routine. Once you and I are done here, I'll take her to, uh, to skating. Um, guess what I did last night? In a, in a related vein. Uh, I don't think I told you this. Yeah, I, I've, I, I have no idea even what to I guess got sucked into coaching a sixth grade basketball team. So, ah. so I held my first practice last night. And uh, I have no middle class. I have, uh, I have um, three blue chippers. And then the rest of the kids, like, we're going to have to work on dribbling. <laughs> So we'll, we'll see, oh, we'll see this, this is going to require um, 
subtlety. Like when I'm, I'm going to have to uh, really, it's going to be one of my better coaching performances. Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, if, if you can just make them look like they can play, like when they, when they receive a pass, if they can face up to the basket and look like they're going to do something, that's, that's half the battle. Uh, Honestly, honestly, um, we can work on, kind of basic ball handling throughout the course of the year. But if you know how to run a play and set picks and like sure run a set and on defense, learn how to like play basic man to man. Okay. Oh, we yeah. can do this. We can do this. So that's, that's the goal. That's the goal. And then it's, it's, it's my, my, my son, Simon, he's going to be our point guard. And then we've got uh, like like the tallest kid in the grade who's super talented. So he's my other blue chipper. And then I've got like this this like edgy, scrappy fifth grader. I'm really excited about. So so it'll be interesting. But I can I can I can perhaps um, keep us updated. I don't know if they're gonna I don't know if they're gonna king us at the end. I don't know if they're gonna crown us. Um, you know, uh, last time I coached basketball, um, our season ended in March of. 2019 and we were undefeated so we did not get to be crowned at the end of the season so i feel like we were um we were we were uh we were robbed we were robbed so i'm i'm excited for for that coming up but so i i hope i hope that we uh we can be be, be crowned king of our king of our league have i have i um very unsubtly laid the groundwork for this tra- transition to our gospel christopher <laughs> Let the listener hear of an elephant (laughs) sprinting through a China shop. Our gospel text today comes from John chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is Christ the King Sunday, Kirk. It's the last Sunday of our literature huh, year. That's so crazy because I, I was just talking about like kings and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, what a coincidence. Uh, next next week, we will celebrate our new year um, at, with uh, Advent 1, the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, but but this is the this is Christ the King Sunday. Uh, we have many old traditions, Kirk. Some which go back to the very first Christians. Some traditions uh, came later. Uh, we just celebrated All Saints on November first. 
I'm trying to remember the origins of All Saints. Is it sixth or eighth century? Um, Either is, way, is when, very old, <laughs> very old. And then it, it settled in on November 1st, uh, maybe in 13th century. Um, so very old, very old. Um, this particular Sunday, Christ the King Sunday, is a fairly new tradition, less than 100 years old. Uh, 1925, uh, Pope Pius XI, I want to say. 11th, good memory. One of those pious guys, yeah. yeah. Um, instituted uh, this Sunday. And if we think back to that context in 1925, um, post-war Europe, they had just fought the war to end all wars, the Great War. Uh, uh, so, some 10 million uh, deaths uh, of uh, military deaths and uh, 10 million additional uh, civilian deaths and then 20 million um, just wounded, just other casualties. So 40 million casualties total, 20 million deaths in, in the war. Um, World War I is horrific. And for what, right? <laughs> and for what? Um, to, to gain a few inches in this battle, a few inches in that. Um, the horrors of World War I cannot be overstated. Uh, obviously, the, uh, it was World War II where, um, I mean, we have things like the rape of Nanking, we have the uh, nu nuclear weapons, but um, the use of gas, poison gas in, in trench warfare was a horrifying thing, Kirk, um, uh, that we saw in, in World War I, um, uh, which uh, in fact, uh, due to changing winds in one battle, the British, uh, their own poison gas that they released uh, killed 2000 Brits. Um, I was just looking into this this week, just the horrors of, yeah. of World War One, and thinking about um, you know that, that following decade of, of just um, so even though we had the Roaring Twenties here in, in America, um, Europe had a lot of chaos uh, that that led to, of course, these conditions, um, especially the ones that uh, that followed after the the crash of the stock market, that, that led to the rise of fascism in italy um in nazism in germany europe um, and, just, and suffice to say communism in russia in, in communism yes um suffice to say kirk europe was a mess um and uh all sorts of people christians especially looking to political leaders um mm -hmm. for solutions and in the midst of this in this context uh the pope is like no 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 like you guys have it wrong like all these earthly powers will let us down um Christ is our king. And that's the big takeaway is, is um, Kirk, there are a lot of parallels between, I mean, <laughs> between 1925 and today, as far as sort of contemporary political movements demanding our allegiance, mm -hmm. um, whether it's about uh, vaccine politics, COVID politics, mask politics, Black Lives Matter. The rise, all the rise of godless nationalism on the right and godless, mm -hmm. godless socialism on the left. <laughs> Nothing mm -hmm. is new. There is nothing new in the sun, Kirk. And um, as we think about Jesus and his kingdom and, and the type of king that he is, we, we look at this gospel lesson from, from John, and we see this interesting contrast between Pilate, who has all the earthly power, right? Um, that Pilate is there um, asking him about, oh, so you're a king, huh? <laughs> uh, because if you were a king, if you were the king of the Jews, it's like, oh, this is news to me because I thought, um, I thought, uh, Herod is king of the Jews, you know, like I thought, I thought we have like, there's this client state here that, that we are over that we sort of allow them to exist. And if you were a king of the Jews, like we're the ones who kind of decide that we're the Romans we're in charge here. Pilate has his, his authority, which is given to him by the emperor who is received sacrifices all over the empire as a God. Um, 
this guy, and, and we think in earthly terms, um, in flesh and blood terms of what a kingdom looks like. And Jesus is like, my kingdom is not of this world. And if we think about that, Kirk, about um, the nature of his kingdom and the nature of who he is as a king, um, whose, whose glory was found in his suffering and his death, um, our, our king is different. And yet, one day he will come with the clouds and we will see him um, face to face. Um, and we will see his glory. Um, and yet, in this in-between time, all of our allegiance, all of our, um, not just worship, just all of our, I, I'm struggling to find a synonym for allegiance. Like reverence, all of that. Reverence. Value. Value um, needs to be found in, in Jesus. And there will be... Um, you know, think back to last week in, in the gospel text of like, there will be false Christs. And, and so like false Christs may, may be people saying, oh yeah, I am the return of Jesus. But they, they also may be kind of false messiahs of, of people saying like, listen, I've got the solution that will save you. I, you know, lo look to me, um, g give me your allegiance and, and I will give you um, everything that you need. And so uh, it's, it's important for us to remember today and always. Um, that uh, while we um, seek the welfare of the city, um, that, those are words that come from um, Jer Jeremiah 29, um, these words to uh, these exiles in, in Babylon, seek the welfare of the city. Um, we do that in this city, even know knowing that we are strangers in a foreign land. Um, so we seek um, good things in our city. We seek uh, renewal in the city. We seek uh, justice in our land. Um, ultimately knowing that uh, it will not be perfectly found until Christ returns. Amen. Yeah. Um, so I know that I've talked about this before, Christopher. Um, and so I'm going to try to approach it from uh, a slightly different angle. Um, but I don't know. And, and I know we just talked about Lord of the Rings and, and I, I, I um, admitted to being a ringer. I'm going to make that a thing now. I'm going to make it a thing. <laughs> Ringer con 2021. Right. Ringer con. <laughs> having, in, having it in Pittsburgh this year. Uh, Tolkien uh, occasionally chastised uh, C.S. Lewis for doing clunky um, allegory, mm. right? Like Aslan equals Christ. White witch equals Satan. And, and uh, you can kind of, go through a bunch of different characters and a bunch of different events and see that it's just an allegory for biblical events and, and, and people. And uh, he swore that he wasn't doing allegory in the Lord of the Rings. And many times he's not, many, many times it's more subtle. And yet, and yet, man, Strider and Aragorn is pretty darn allegorical. Um, we see this, we see this in the kingship of Christ uh, that, that um, there's, there's a humility in his incarnation, in fact, this is even called uh, the humiliation of Christ. Uh, it's a technical theological term, meaning like laying aside his glory in his incarnation, laying aside some of his godly attributes, omniscience, omnipresence, um, etc., cetera, uh, to become vulnerable like us, um, and, yet is, and yet is still God and is still king and lord of all creation. Um, and, and we talk here, uh, the way up is down. Maybe we need to make like a like a T-shirt or something, <laughs> right? And Christ demonstrates Haber Bros. Haber Bros. Merch. The way That's up is down. Yep. 
demonstrates the way to glory. Um, we just we just read mm -hmm. on uh, All Saints the um, the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the meek, blessed are them that mourn, right? Blessed are the pure persecuted. Um, that in the economy of God, um, it is not worldly glory, worldly power that, that counts, um, but but rather um, uh, humility and uh, genuine genuine contrition, um, those types of things. And Christ models that in his in his kind of earthly messiahship as well, um, hanging hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, as we often say. Um, but the you know the, the modern analog would be he'd be hanging out with people that would make me squirm, right? Let's let's be honest, and um, and I, and I need to always remember that. And then you have this amazing contrast when we uh, when we read um, passages in Revelation um of when at his second yes. coming <laughs> comes again and i just like to read something christopher from daniel 7 which is really a remarkable passage um it's one it's the old testament lesson for christ the king i'm um, beginning at verse 9 so this is a vision that daniel has an apocalyptic vision starting at verse 9 as i looked thrones were placed and the ancient of days took his seat his clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. And the court sat in judgment and the books were open. I'll skip ahead, just a verse. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the coming, behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. And likewise, we get similar imagery in Revelation. Um, here we see his hair is like pure wool. His throne is fiery flames. His clothing white as snow. In Revelation, we see that his eyes are aflame. He has a sword in his mouth. I love that. It's sort of like, like pirate Jesus. Um, but, but, <laughs> but the idea is, right, um, uh, he, he is uh, like uh, to go back Every, everything does everything go back to Lewis and Tolkien, I guess. Um, at some point, um, someone is asked, is, is Aslan is Aslan safe? And mm. uh, the other <laughs> character Turtle's like, no, 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 he's not safe, but he's good. Mm. Right, right. Jesus, he has a sword in his mouth, right? He will come to judge the living and the dead, right? So we have this contrast between um the meek friend of sinners, um, who who makes himself vulnerable, who allows himself to be beaten by, you know, like. Roman thugs, you know, when he, mm. uh, and he submits himself right to the, to the hands of sinners um, for your sake and for mine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this reminds me, Christopher, of to, to, to bring it back uh, because I'm a, because I'm a good ringer. <laughs> you remember <laughs> before Aragorn is the king, right? The return of the king. Um, mm -hmm. He has a different guise that he appears in mm -hmm. and most people aren't they're, they're kind of their eyes are shrouded and they're not able to see him. Do you remember who he is? Strider. He's Strider, who's just kind of this weird ranger in the in the mm -hmm. wilderness. He knows 
he, he doesn't really have friends. He kind of knows trails in the woods and he helps the hobbits navigate their way through a wilderness kind of along their destination as they can kind of go only guess at his identity or purpose, right? So we have hidden glory for the sake of servanthood and humility. Um, and I just love that. But as we see in the end, at the very end of Lord of the Rings, um, as the hobbits, as he is crowned, the hobbits kind of gaze at him and wonder and cannot believe, is this the same? Is this the same strider who carried me on his horseback as they look mm. at him in his gleaming armor and his cape um, and, and, and his kind of kingly visage and the crown on his head? And do you know, do you remember what he does? He says, stand, and he embraces them. Mm. Yeah. Yes. But, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I, um, I, I, I love this that our, our, ours is a king who will come and who will be the king of kings and lord of lords, and yet he was not too good um, mm. when it was his time to get in the muck with us and to suffer mm. with us and knows all that we have been through, um, mm. and yet, as I've said here before, he is the one true king, the good king the king that is worthy, um, as St. Paul writes to the Philippians, right, of, um, of a bended knee, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah, I mean, in the same Christ hymn about, talk about um, how he humbled himself. Yes. Um, it, it closes with every knee bowing and every tongue confessing. Yeah. Kirk, Kirk, your, your um, uh, contrast between the humble Christ, um, that we worship the, you know, the, the one that was, that walked the earth mm -hmm. and the, the, the Christ that will come again, um, in glory. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the verse that, that leapt to my mind, um, was Malachi three, two, um, yes. which we all know, um, uh, from, um, the Messiah, but so, so I will say it in King James English, because mm -hmm. that's, that's how I have it memorized, but who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire. Uh, that's not the end of the verse. The, it, the verse closes, and like Fuller's soap. I don't know what Fuller's soap is. Um, so, some versions say launderer's soap. Um, yeah, no, a Fuller, a Fuller was someone who prepared wool, I okay. believe, um, so that it would be kind of ready to turn into clothing. And to do so was, um, I think you used lye. Okay. I think, I think so. Maybe I should have, maybe I should have looked of... this up, but <laughs> I mean, like, I, I like, I like the imagery of, of a refining fire better. Um, <laughs> right. uh, I mean, it's, it's fearsome, you know, and, and the, the process of refining, um, I mean, one of my favorite hymns is, uh, how firm a foundation. And, and there's a, a verse about that. Um, the flames shall not hurt you. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Um, this idea of a, of a refining fire being a little terrifying and that like it melts down and removes impurities. And I guess when I picture that Kirk, if, if we are, can go back to the well of CS Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia of, of, um, poor Eustace, uh, right. oh, Eustace, um, uh, Eustace, the dragon, um, having, um, I'm sure we've read that quote before of, of, I mean, it's just one of, in, in all of literature, Kirk, it's one of my favorite passages when he describes the, the refining process of having that dragon skin um, uh, ripped off of him. Now he talks about um, Aslan's talons, like, go, not talons, claws, 
yeah. going into him. And he said it, it, it hurt like, like it was went to my very soul, you know, and um, it felt like he, I was being, you know, not cleansed, but like, it felt like it was going to kill me. Right. And that's that process of, of refining. Um, who may abide the day of his coming? Who can endure uh, is, is what many mo- modern translations say. Um, because we can't, Kirk. We can only, um, as, as this, we'll have four weeks of Advent where we will um, anticipate and look forward to Christ's return. And we can only look forward to Christ's return knowing that we will be counted as righteous, not because of our own merits, but because of Christ's work on our behalf. Amen. Amen. Christopher, I'm excited about our next topic. Um, do you have any kind of final thoughts here? No. Yeah. Shall, shall we, um, shall we, I mean, I, I would love to spoon feed you um, a, um, a spicy transition, um, but I, I can't think of any, any way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can come up with something spicy later. Okay. For our culture segment today, we are discussing the recently released film Dune, directed by Denis Villeneuve, who uh, <laughs> whose name I love to say. Um, Kirk, I, I didn't take French Your in French high school. French like is you. impeccable. Uh, speaking of the French, um, recently Ridley Scott came out with a movie uh, called The Last Duel. And he was kind of asked, like, why don't your characters have French accents? He's like, because that sounds dumb. Like, he's like, come on. Like, do we really want people to be like, I challenge, like, we, we don't, do we really want like Ben Affleck and, and Matt Damon? Like, I challenge you. Uh, I will um, take my. Uh, okay, this is going, this is bad. Uh, <laughs> this, I would love for this to quickly devolve into like bad stereotypical accents. That is my métier so, right there. Denny Villeneuve, um, in fact, is not French, but he's French-Canadian, right? Oh, um, even better. <laughs> a phenomenal um, science fiction uh, and just phenomenal director, director of movies you may have seen, Listener, um, Sicario, uh, Blade Runner 2049, which if you haven't seen, you should see, and Arrival. Kirk, are you a fan of Arrival? Love Arrival. We've never yeah. talked about it here, have we? We haven't. We, sh- we should watch it sometime soon and talk about yes. it. I- I've only seen it once, I think. And I saw it I on it. a plane over the Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> which is not like how his film, like I should have seen it in IMAX, frankly. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Did you see it on like the little screen? And the oh, the li- yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful. With like no um, ambient noise, like interfering with your... <laughs> 
no, no, this was, yeah, this was what was, I was, this was my background. <laughs> yeah, the whole time, yeah. Okay, well, um, this, uh, the source material for this movie, uh, in fact, this is really half a movie. It's, you know, part one of two, is a 1965 novel by Frank Herbert. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of how to start the, the conversation about this. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, a movie, Kirk, before we uh, hit record, we were talking about the nature of like what it means to be derivative. Like there are certainly recognizable things in this film of like, um, it's clear that like mid East cultures fascinated Frank Herbert, the author. Um, uh, we mentioned that some, some, uh, some words sound uh, Hebraic. Um, some of the call to prayers certainly seems almost like Islam, um, right. like a desert people, you There's know, just like a lot worshiping... of straight, straight Arabic as well. Yeah. 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 Like Arabic words, uh, Arabic titles. But this yeah. is a movie that, that is, is found in theaters right now, um, but also was released simultaneously um, on HBO Max a streaming service which each of you should um subscribe to it's phenomenal it's 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 got great tv shows and great movies um and kirk uh i think the way that we start our, our conversation here is for for me to say if you listener are somebody averse to sci-fi this is like the kirk is this hard sci-fi would you consider doing hard sci-fi? I would. Uh, okay. it's, it's hard. Maybe that's, that's the wrong difficult question. to say because of the Butlerian Jihad. <laughs> so there's like a there's like a, a real Luddite aspect to this sure. where it doesn't it doesn't even care about technology. Sure. Um, and it has sort of an end around with intergalactic travel. Right. Which we can right. talk about that as well. The spice. Yeah, yeah. that's an which, interesting which question. Which doesn't even explain. It doesn't even explain it. Like in this movie. Like what it, it just says spice is necessary for interstellar travel. Right. Boom. That's the explanation. Which we'll get to how that's a strength. Yeah. Um shortly. Uh but I want to say this is like if if <laughs> I have a friend, Kirk, uh one particular friend who comes to mind who like anything space related, he's just like I can't watch it. Like it's <laughs> stupid. Like I can't even get him to watch uh for all mankind. I'm like, I'm like, it's not sci-fi. Like it's realistic. I mean, we did these things. We went to the moon. Um, he you, was the really guy. He was the guy like in St. Louis, <laughs> Missouri in 1850, looking at the wagons heading west out of town being like, what the heck are those people doing? That's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like some people jerk just, just can't handle this. And, and I would say, <laughs> just, just watch it. Kirk, this movie is beautiful to look at yes it is gorgeous which is a huge strength of of denny villeneuve um especially like his previous movie uh blade runner 2049 kirk i i want to say like 10 years ago tried watching the original blade runner and just the 80s vibe of like kind of the look of it i I didn't make it 10 minutes into it like it didn't interest me and i know that that's probably um heresy to some shameful shameful confession i had the same experience about three years ago like i'm gonna watch this and then 2049, and I just never made it through. Yeah. You didn't make it through the original? You, you the original. I did not make it through the original. Okay. Yep. Which, as but, but a result, the... I didn't make it through 2049, okay, which I should cool. now. And then you we should, should talk go, about it. Go put Run. on the cone of, Don't cone of shame. Yes. Um, we're tw- Blade Runner 2049. It, Kirk, it just it looks amazing. And like, I, I can only, that only makes sense if you've seen it, Kirk, or if you've seen like 
this Dune movie of like just to just watch this movie. It is, it is literally awesome. Kirk, I, I don't remember much. I, we, we, you and I watched David Lynch's 1984 um, uh, edition yes. of, of Dune, adaptation of Dune, which I remember very little about, but I'm, I'm now curious to like see side by side, like, oh my because gosh. I know that it, it, it would have looked nothing like this because we, they just did not have the ability to make something look like this. Yes. You know, in 1984. Uh, Kirk, so the strength is, is, is the way, the direction. I don't know who the director of photography is, but I mean, it. Uh, Greg Frazier, I could effort like other movies that he's he's done, but it looks amazing, Kirk. The cast is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it, like it's a huge strength. Um, I, I was totally unfamiliar with Rebecca Ferguson, but she's in like some of the Mission Possible movies and then um, she's well-respected by, by many people. Oscar Isaac was phenomenal. Josh Brolin, um, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista. Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, like keep going. Yeah. Um, huge fan. Uh, and he Javier was Bardem, just huge. <laughs> Jason Momoa. And, uh, and, and even like the, the lesser parts are played by guys who, who you're like, Oh, I recognize that guy from that one thing, you know, like people that you may not know the actor's right. name, like good character actors that yes. yeah. you recognize their faces. Yep. And mm-hmm. so, so not only is it well cast, but the performances are on pitch, but more than anything, Kirk, it, it is an incredibly, I, I would imagine like nerdy novel, <laughs> um, all sort like very esoteric um and yet the film adaptation of it is totally accessible he doesn't get bogged down in explaining like all this background stuff um the story is he shows not tells so instead yeah. of having just uh, a, a a just uh obnoxious explainy scene where like every aspect of imperial politics is explained you just get the sense of it by um understanding these several ha- these house atreides and house harkonnen um like who kind of in in um we don't even meet the, em- the emperor no we think don't. about this we yeah. we we get subtle complicated uh international politics i mean intergalactic politics right without even one single throne room scene where yeah. the emperor is like conferring with him. his name is what like Shaddam the fourth, unimportant doesn't matter. Unimportant. Vil- Villeneuve knows that most of his people won't won't know that they don't care, but you get the sense for how these two houses are being pitched against each other intentionally to kind of restore balance um, in the Imperium. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and he shows yep. it, not tells it, right? Whereas I would like. I would say, actually, like in a classroom, and start to give a dissertation <laughs> on realpolitik <laughs> and balance of power. And he doesn't do any of that. Yeah. And and so not, not only is there like imperial politics and power, um, and you have um, th- this planet of Arrakis um, that 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 um, kind of the uh, so Paul Atreides um, of House Atreides. Uh, they are the protagonists of this movie, especially Paul, who who we're led to believe is the chosen one. They're, they're kind of um, breadcrumbs um, leading us down, like the idea that he is this chosen one. Um, Why? So there, because his father, the duke of this this house, that seems to be ascendant. Other royal families are kind of rallying around it, and thus make it a threat to the emperor. Right. So um, Oscar Isaac well, plays the duke. He, his concubine. Right. Is this kind of this of this warrior nun cult who yeah, on the which, side, which I think is interesting. The, so you have the, you have the, you have like yep. the imperial power stuff, but then 
there's also like this like mystical like the warrior nuns. Yep. <laughs> yes, the warrior nuns. And, and they're like, called the Bene Gesserit. <laughs> and and their their project is actually this genetic engineering um, where they're able to through through kind of religious mysticism, science, and uh, peering into the future and and kind of genetically like intentionally breeding houses and different people um, are, are working their way towards a messiah type figure. And she, Paul's Paul's mother, Jessica, which funny, 10,000 years in the future, there will still be women named Jessica. <laughs> um, she has um, a boy, which you're not supposed to do. So right away, we know like she's up to something funny, right? They're, the Bene Gesserit are only supposed to have girls so that they can be other, they can be warrior nuns and learn what their mother learned and continue the, uh, the practice. Back to you. Oh yeah. Just so like, it fascinated me that, that we have both sides of that. You have this like religious, but not just religious, like there's some power that they wield. And so yeah. like very early on, we discover that, that um, young Paul, um, his mother kind of asks him to use the voice. Right. And which is an interesting thing, Kirk. I, I, I don't, what did you think about the depiction of, of using the voice? Oh, I loved what it. You, I loved was it. Was that cool? Yeah. Um, so this, this like, uh, what's the name of like the. Reverend head? mother. Reverend mother. Yep. Um, she used the voice on him. And that depiction was really cool. Yes. Very effective. Like suddenly he's like, he was across the room and suddenly he's knelt before her and he's like, come here, the- kneel. And it's like, Whoop. yeah. Yep. <laughs> that, that he's really like cool. right there. Yeah. 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 Which that, that, that gives you the sense. What would it be like yes. to be compelled? Yes. Yeah. To be physically compelled to do something, to kneel. If you're, if you're a prince and someone says, kneel, you're like, I'm not kneeling. Wait a minute. Why am I kneeling? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing job by by Denis Villeneuve, um, and and so uh, it's like again I don't know the backstory. This House of Trades is is compelled to leave their home world or leave whatever their home world. Yep to 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 yeah. go to this desert planet that has spice. It has nothing else. Like if like there's almost no water on the planet, um, and in fact you have to wear the suit to recycle your own sweat and presumably yep. pee. Um, yep. Yeah, <laughs> they, they don't mention that in the movie. The but still um, suit. Yeah. <laughs> you lose like a thimble. I mean, obviously, that's the day. first thing all of us thought as we're looking at like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're drinking your own pee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're sent there. Um, and uh, this planet, which is uh, occupied, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. so it's 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 occupied. Uh, but it's the home world of uh, these people who are like desert people who who the live Fremen. underground. Um. Yeah, the, the, the Fremen. Uh, I think I thought they called them. The and Fremen. they 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 are there because they're the very they're the ancestors, distant ancestors of Terran Arabs, like earthly Arabs. So there there are Arabic titles and and some kind of um, like Near Eastern honor culture um, kind of values that continue to be passed on, as well as like the desert ways, right? Thriving in the desert, um, but they are they are ruled ostensibly by who, Christopher? Um, was I supposed to say the Harkonnens? Yeah, they left before they got yes, before, House before Imperium essentially tried yeah. to put these houses against each other by t- essentially taking the planet away, giving it to Atreides, which you know wasn't a good thing for Atreides. It's like they're they're like bound, it's a setup. like yeah, it's, it's a setup. A setup. For and that's to, not a spoiler. That's that's clear in the first twenty five percent of the film. Yeah, yeah, but like. Oscar Isaac's character, um, a man of duty, like goes and does, his, and, and it's very clear at the beginning, like who like the good guys are and who the bad guys are. That Oscar Isaac wants to treat um, the natives of this planet with dignity, right. 
and and like whatever I, I can do, I will grant it. Like I, I have certain things expected of me. Like we have to continue to mine the spice. We will leave you alone. Um, that if that's your wish. And and he he also has a, a notion of um, kind of a better uh, mutual flourishing between yeah. the fremen and uh, the ruling offworlders. Certainly, and and even like the the advance party. So Jason Momoa's character um goes there as this advance party, and like essentially like. They joke that he's gone native as he like right. sought to like really get to understand right. these people that are yeah. there where the Hark house Harkonnen, they had no idea that there's like millions of these Fremen underground. They, they, their estimate was that there was like 50,000 on the planet, right. which is, is just an indication. They had no concern for them. It's just like, you know, we we're here to extract the spice um, for our own purposes and our own profit. So Kirk, um, lots of themes, um, I kind of started by talking about like the phenomenal performances, the look of the movie. We haven't talked about um, Hans Zimmer's score. Oh. Um, I don't know if you want to <laughs> want to talk about that. Well, well, um, well you brought it up. I, let me just let me just give the baton to you and hear hear what you have to yeah. say about it. Well, Hans Zimmer's score is interesting. So he is. I don't know if he's going in a direction or he just decided to do this for this <laughs> movie. Um, but he is he is John Williams scores, which are lovely and I love, and I'm not saying Zimmer is better than Williams. But but maybe we're going in a new direction where um, hmm. there Williams was very Wagnerian and there were there were like decided motifs sure. um, for each character for each theme right so we see Luke Skywalker gaze longingly at the moons of Tatooine and we hear the Skywalker theme right because he's thinking about his fate Darth yep. Vader walks in we hear the Imperial Death March Kylo Ren comes in we hear the Kylo Ren theme and it really it it it's a great device it's a great musical device Hans Zimmer. Um, He's been he's been working his way towards this, but but is most explicit here in Dune, in which um, the 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 score is is less melod like kind of different. It's almost Kirk. Melody. It's almost visceral. Yes, that's a word. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You um. It's it's like tone painting, pure yeah. impressionism, sensations. Like <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's it's it, it almost defies description. Like go on go yeah. on Spotify <laughs> or Amazon Music and just listen to a bit of it and you may be like what am i listening to but then when you put it up against yeah, yeah Kirk, um, sing your favorite part of the score he's like well yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is intensely visceral so that's so that's fun um timothy chalamet um is becoming a movie star before our very eyes he has a presence which is really ironic given the fact that he's probably 137 pounds or whatever right <laughs> Like he's not like Jason Momoa as Aquaman who just looks amazing on the screen. And like, no one, no one's saying like, man, why doesn't he go shirtless more often about Timothy Chalamet, right? But um, see the camera, chest. right. The camera can't stay off his face. He has the movie star. Look, like he, it's compelling. Wouldn't you say Christopher? I mean, he's able to convey so much and, and powerfully and well, and the last several things I've seen him in, I really buy it. I buy him as Paul Atreides. I don't know if you saw him as Henry V, this made-for-Netflix movie. It's not that great. The only thing good about <laughs> it was it's about the Battle of Agincourt. Um, it's, I think it's named after the Shakespearean play. Is it, Fal is it called Falstaff? Um, I don't think it's called Falstaff. It's not called that, right, but it has Falstaff in it. But, but like, I didn't see it precisely because, Kirk, I am – immune to the charms of timothy chalamet okay so you disagree um, all right we'll, we'll move I, on <laughs> i did not watch that netflix movie because he was in it <laughs> yeah 
So, so you didn't find uh, Little Women gripping <laughs> Timothy Chalamet? I did not watch <laughs> Little Women precisely because Timothy with two E's Chalamet. and Chalamet was in it. Um, I'm not a fan. Um, okay, okay, I can see him. how like 26-year-old Timothy Chalamet, I could see how like he would play like a teenager well because he's <laughs> he looks like a teenager. Um, kind of this, yeah hormonal adolescent um guy who, who just right you know is you know he plays you know but it's i think it's a compelling theme like you mentioned luke skywalker that's what i think of when i see this like here's this kid this not this kid yeah. maybe yes. chalamet is a little bit less of the naivete because like um he is essentially blessed with these dreams and like yeah. premonitions and like and, luke skywalker um, when we meet, like the meet forces him, isn't him. burdened with anything and luke polytreides is already burdened with a, sure. a sense yeah. of calling. Yeah. Like I'm called to something weird, but I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. All right. So enough about him. Okay. So I find the evolution of religion very interesting uh, in both doing the book and doing the movie. Um, okay. the, uh, most science fiction authors, frankly, don't take religion seriously. Sure. Yeah. Frank Herbert did and just mm. understood in his gut that we are religious creatures and there will be religion in the future. And, um, you know, he, he thought, it's interesting. So he figured like religions will evolve and cross pollinate in interesting ways. So the Fremen are, are, like I said, they're kind of Arab descendants, but, but there's been some cross pollination. So they're called Zen Sunni, right? So there was like a gust from the East of Zen Buddhism. So they're, huh. they're ha like part Sunni Islam. And then there's also, can you hear Daphne melting down in the background, by the way? Just if it's push right through it. If it's, it's not right. audible. All right. So <laughs> I think Brian's got it covered. Right. So we call it Zen Sunni. Um, and, and so that's interesting, right? Like we, we see kind of the DNA of, of their, their character in, in that name. Notice also the name of the Bible. Did, did you know, did they say the name of the Bible in the movie? I don't know. If they did, I it's called it. the orange Catholic Bible. Okay. Right. Well, orange is a Protestant color, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. Netherlands. Dutch. Yeah. 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 House, exactly. Yeah. Right. So we have this fusion. William this fusion of Orange. Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, we also have the Bene Gesserit, which, as you said, like it just sounds so Hebrew, right? Um, and they're sort of these warrior nuns, these, these, this kind of this order. So the uh, religion remains relevant. Also, I find it interesting uh, right now. I mean, uh, what? Uh, who's the guy who? Who's the guy who founded the the Hungarian who founded Tesla? Okay, now that you asked me and put me in the spot, I'm not going to go. Founder of Tesla, dang it. He's it, Hungarian? Isn't he South anyhow. African? <laughs> Probably. Okay, boy, I made that up. Anyway, he, he went on the Joe Rogan show like four years ago, and they smoked pot together, and he said there's a 98% chance. Elon Musk. is Elon name. Musk. Remember he said there's a 98% chance we're already in, in a simulation? Yes. Like the singularity already happened. Yeah. AI's already taken over. And we're just brains in a vat or something like that, right? Okay, so um, there's a lot of concern about what happens as robots gain increasing self-awareness and realize, right, I, I don't know anything about that. So listeners may know more about that than I do. Um, in, in Dune, there's this concept of the Butlerian Jihad, when in a moment of kind of Luddite populism, we destroy all the machines. So, Christopher, did you notice those? Um, there, there are advisors whose eyes kind of roll into the back of their heads mm -hmm. as they're as they're thinking. Yep. They're called mentats, and we have like 
at these these elite universities where these like clever children are are trained to become human human calculators, human computers. Huh. And um, so we can still kind of make the complex calculations, but instead of like you know some guy get doing calculus in the back of an envelope for ten minutes, there's you know, like a special are, like right house of or train. Is it is it is it a it's not it's a not, race of people or is it it's tra- not a race it trained into them it's okay. trained into them right yep so that's interesting right that's why there are no there are no computing machines anywhere right which brings in the space travel the space right. travel as as we said is done through these um the the space guild they're they're spice addicts they live in these hermetically sealed containers of spice where they're constantly whiffing the spice and the spice actually um gives you prescience um, the ability to see ahead in time. So they're able to make these calculations when they're making the um, kind of uh, making these um, quantum, not quantum leaps. Um, when they're traveling, when you bend space. Yeah. The, 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 you uh, know, like, wormhole? Yeah. You don't like go through a star or like hit an asteroid or whatever. They're able to do that. They're able to presciently okay. see that. Yeah. And that's how they're able to do inter- intergalactic travel. Um, but in, it, in a lot of what makes science fiction interesting to some of us and impenetrable to most people is the technological like navel gazing. And there's yes. none of that, right? Because that all, Cer- this, all the machines are smashed. So it's all about human interactions, mm. which I think would make it like really um, accessible to the, to the viewer who doesn't typically like sci-fi stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You and your dorky robots and your computers and whatever, and your, and and, your space and, lasers. There's none of that. Right. And let me say like, again, how much I enjoyed that, like, we are shown and not told. Like, no one said to me, like, uh, said to me, like, no on-screen narrator was like, oh, this guy whose eyes just, like, flip back. Um, he went to the special school to learn right. how to do that. It, you didn't even just saw it. You didn't even hear the word meant at. You right. could just perceive, like, They oh. ask him a question, his eyes flip back, he gives him, the, like, this complicated answer. Right, right. Yeah. You're like, that's kind of cool. I don't know what that is, but I know that he's the brilliant advisor. And yeah. that's that, yep. And then the last, the last thing that I, I, the last point I want to make is the subtle, realistic politics between the houses. Um, it's just true to reality and it's international politics is complicated. I remember in college, I loved that class and people who are far smarter than me, who are like, who were like future doctors, future scientists, um, sat around and like got C's on tests because <laughs> the international, what, what, what used to be called the great game is really complicated. Mm-hmm. Right, this vying for power between dozens of different countries, the balance of power stuff, um, and, and and I'm weird, and so I've always been attracted to that, and I find that interesting, and that's what makes history endlessly fascinating to me. Um, the balance of power stuff uh, that that the emperor is doing, and again, you're shown, not told that, right? Um, the way that Harkonnen and Atreides are pit against each other, so the houses can't ally and overthrow the empire. Um, it's it's shown well. Um, you have brief uh, sessions where Baron von Harkonnen gives his nephew like kind of realpolitik advice. Um, and that's Stellan Skarsgård who plays the Baron. Mm-hmm. He was like just deliciously, revoltingly evil. Oh. And um, y- yes, and revolting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and again, you you were shown, not told, um, that he has these suspensors that allow him, like he's so morbidly obese, he cannot walk. And so he kind of like prances around the room because he has these suspensors that elevate him, right? Again, could you kind of, could you see that having not read the book, Christopher? Like, oh, he's like grossly fat. And oh, he's, he kind he's of disgusting. But honestly, yeah. like I didn't understand the floating. 
Okay. I, I like did not understand it. Like, didn't you yeah, see I was like, like the things he, on his back glowing? I did. I did not see those. Okay. <laughs> I missed that. So I'm an idiot. Um, in the I, David I was Lynch like, movie, that he, was like so float? weird. Okay. I'll tell you what, um, Baron Von Harkonnen, the David Lynch movie in the 80s, that gave me nightmares. The mm. key was in my nightmares. And um, how, how PG, how, how rated R should we say this? Um, there, there's an important detail that's left out about Harkonnen because of our modern politics. Um, he mm. is uh, like, 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 a, uh, like a, an, a wicked, evil um, pedophile <laughs> in, in the book. And that is conveniently skipped over in the movies, as you can imagine, that might be a cultural tripwire. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Of, bo- and- of boys, not of, gir- not of girls. So that is just glossed over and we move along. But nonetheless, you get the, you get the sense that he's wicked, right, Christopher? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those were kind of my thoughts. I would say, see it. We haven't, we actually, we, this was entirely spoiler free, Christopher. It was, was so unfocused <laughs> and random that we never actually said what happens, which is okay because it's only part one of the movie, only part one, right? It's two parts. So I'd say, see it. I, I give it, I give it two thumbs up. I give it seven spices. Oh, very prescient. That's again a word that's um, used in the book, but not in the movie. The prescience, the spice prescience. Oh, okay. Which Christopher, could you tell that Paul has that? Like immediately mm-hmm. upon like inhaling the spice, yeah, you you can tell right away. Like, ooh, it affects him. It affects it. Yeah. Did you like yeah. the thopters? I did. Oh my gosh! The yeah, we didn't talk about cool. those. They're super cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see David Lynch's thopters because they there's no <laughs> way they would look as cool. Did you like? We didn't talk about the spice worms. How cool! Did you see it in the theater or? No, I didn't. On your iPhone in portrait mode, living, like, <laughs> listening to, to crappy earbuds. I I watched most just like of Han, it. Just like Hans Zimmer intended. I watched most of it on a 65-inch TV. With okay. A pretty good, with, with a Dolby Atmos um Could you, could you feel the soundtrack in your chest? I could, but okay. that was only the first half. And then the second half I watched on my phone <laughs> as, as Denny Villeneuve intended um, with uh, decent headphones. I should, okay. I should okay. Decent headphones. okay. It was intended to be watched projected on the face of the moon. Like that's yes. how you should yes. watch this thing. And, and it, like, I, like, I, I feel all uh, necessary shame for, for not watching it on, uh, on the moon projected on the moon. <laughs> the first time I saw the spice worm, Christopher in the theater, it, it was, you wait. He makes you wait a couple hours, yes. doesn't he? Oh, yeah. So it gets alluded to. You hear about the worms. You hear about the worms. You see ripples in the desert, and then the first time you see it, it gave it gave me chills. I was like, yeah, I was so fanboy. I mean, I was I was the I was the the Simpsons comic book guy. Like, <laughs> they're like eating my popcorn. I loved it so hard. It was so great. Yeah. yeah. The still suits. I know I come to you in mm. another conversation, the still suits, um, they're supposed to wear their mask. Right. And right. in an age, it's interesting, right? In an era when we're, we're, we're oftentimes supposed to wear masks, but a lot of times we're not <laughs> like we wear them as a neck beard. Do you notice like their masks are off a lot? And mm. probably because Warner brothers is like, man, I paid a lot for Jason Momoa's face. <laughs> I paid a lot, lot for, for Zendaya. We're not going to cover yeah. up her face. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So that's just, they're walking around the desert where they're not yeah. supposed to lose any moisture because there's no water around. And like their masks are just like draping off yeah. their faces. So that was funny, yeah. but whatever. I mean, it's Kurt, fine. We, we know there's only one actor who, who, whose speciality is um, to, to act with a mask on. 
Bane. And that's Tom Hardy. That's Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. <laughs> Wait, so, so Tom Hardy yeah. as Bane. Tom Hardy in Dunkirk. Yes. Yes. And, and, um, and what's the third one? There's another one where he like Mad most Max. Of the movie, he wears a mask. Did he wear a mask? Yes. Mad yes. Max? Yeah. Well, it's not a mask. He's got this like thing oh, on his face. Yeah. That stupid yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those those are the three movies, and like, but he is such an amazing actor. He can do so much with his eyes that um, give us a great just, Bane line. Me, yeah. We return it to the people. Okay, let's let's end in prayer. Yeah, uh, let. Oh my gosh, we need to wipe that from the face. Of the <laughs> Kirk, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Christopher, Thanks. we went an entire Dune discussion without saying the word Quizats Hatterach. <laughs> I think we deserve a pat on the back. Next week? Next week. <laughs>